Wives, be subordinate to your husbands. We can at first hear that and think this must be some out of touch, out of date, old fashioned, rude, offensive text. And think, like, why, did, why and how did it even, when the Bible was composed, how did it even get in there in the first place? Knowing that this passage was coming up just a couple of days ago, I asked a, a faithful Catholic woman, just like, when you, I asked her, like, when you hear this, when you're in the pews, like, what, what, goes, through your, what goes through your head? She kind of laughed and said, I just take it as a grain of th- salt and throw it out the window. She's just come accustomed. She said, every three years, here's this reading, grain of salt out the window. It doesn't even bother her anymore. But scripture is the inspired word of God. And God's never out of touch. He's never out of date. And certainly his word is not something to be taken as a grain of salt or thrown out the window. This may be one of the most misunderstood passages in the New Testament, if not all the scriptures. A friend of mine who wrote his dissertation on this passage describes this passage as being like a sheep in wolf clothing. It looks ferocious, but in fact, it's incredibly beautiful. Ephesians 5 is the passage in scripture to understand marriage. Because scripture is the inspired word of God, it's God's revelation of his will for Christian marriage. When we hear wives be subordinate to your husband, oftentimes we forget the verse that's right before it. So that's verse 22, verse 21 is the first verse of which is the key interpretive verse, I think, to understand the rest of what Paul says. It's the lenses of which to have to see the rest of the passage. And in verse 21, we hear, brothers and sisters, be subordinate to one another as reverence for Christ. Therefore, it's not entirely, it's not, it's not a one-sided submission, but a mutual submission. And in fact, when Paul wrote this, it was earth-shattering at the time. Like both the Greek and Roman societies, they saw women as second-class citizens. They saw women as inferior to men. Women were some, someone to be possessed by men. That women, their only point was just to bear children. And I just, reflecting on this passage and just seeing the news and hearing what's going on in Afghanistan right now and hearing the, the, the fear of the women of, of what the next number of weeks and months might look for. And I read a, um, an article, I think it was in the New York Times, that mentioned how interviewing one woman in Afghanistan, how she's, she's fearful right now whether or not she'll ever be able to hold a book again. That's not Christianity. That's not... That's not Paul and Christianity understands and proclaims woman as equal in dignity to man. And again, this was groundbreaking at the time, but this is the lens in which Paul wants to interpret the rest of this passage. And so the Greek, of course, the New Testament was written in Greek and interpreted and translated, but the Greek brings out of what Paul says here in John Paul II, Pope John Paul II did extensive writing on this passage, saying that what Paul means is wives as someone who is 
completely equal in dignity to your husband. Choose freely to submit yourself to his loving care, to entrust yourself to his loving care. So Paul, therefore, is saying, wives, the wife's submission to the husband, above all, as John Paul II says, is the experiencing of love. It's a spot of receptivity and receiving the love. And so if a wife is going to come to a spot to choose freely to entrust herself to her husband's loving care, it's important to say and to know, well, what's the husband? And Paul spends the rest of the passage on that. Three quarters of the passage is Paul just talking to husbands. And Paul doesn't just tell the husbands to love their wives. He doesn't ask them to. He commands them to. And not just in a general way, kind of vague, up in the air. He gets particular. He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And Paul goes on in verse 23. Paul says this, the husband is head of his wife as Christ is head of the church. And again, when we hear the word head, we think head of a committee, we think head of a administration, head of a department. When we hear head, we think boss, we think ruler, we think dominator, somebody who tells me what I must do. But again, the Greek word that's used here is kephale. And that does not mean head as a boss. It doesn't mean head as a superior or a dominator. But it says husband is head is so far as Christ is head of the church. Christ was not a dictator. Christ did not force people to do things. Jesus was head by being the head servant. That's the Christian understanding of headship. How do we know this more so? Think Mark chapter 10. Remember Jesus is walking with his disciples and they're jockeying for position. James and John are saying, who's gonna be the greatest? Let us sit at your, one sit at your left, one sit at your right. They're talking about gaining these spots of power and authority and Jesus hears that, what does he do? He stops them dead in his track. He's like, you guys don't get it. That's not my kingdom. So he brings in the disciples, using it as a teaching moment and he says this in verse 42, he says, those who rule it over the Gentiles, they make their authority felt but it shall not be so among you, not in my kingdom. He says, rather, whoever would be great must be servant. Whoever would be first must be slave of all. The son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. So Christ's headship was shown and portrayed when he got on his knees and he washed his disciples' feet. Christ's headship was shown and proclaimed when he outstretched his arms on the cross. So husbands, if you are to be Christian husbands, that's what you must do for your wife. Paul goes on, verse 25, he says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved by handing himself over to the church. Again, the Greek word that Paul uses here for handed over, it's code word. It's the same word that's used when Judas handed over Jesus to Pilate. It's the same word used when Pilate handed over Jesus to be crucified or when Jesus handed himself over for the cross. It's code word for passion. It's code word for sacrifice. And Paul is saying, husbands, love your wives this way. 
And so to the degree that that type of love is expressed, that the husband takes the initiative and makes the first move and expresses that kind of love in that sacrificial way, the wife, the bride, just, she just receives. She's like, how can I not entrust myself to that? When that type of sacrificial love is demonstrated and showed, like that is utter joy for me just to receive and entrust myself and, to your loving care. And the move is a reciprocal love. When I receive that sacrificial love, I see it demonstrated, I know nothing to do than just to reciprocate that sacrificial love. And that's where the mutual submission that Paul says is the, the lens to which to interpret the rest of the passage. And then it becomes, as a husband and wife, we're just trying to outdo each other in sacrifice. You wake up in the morning, you get out of bed, and it's like, how can I sacrifice better than you? Sounds nice, huh? The problem is, we tend to be selfish. We have this knee-jerk reaction to, to alligator arm sacrifice. It doesn't matter the vocation that you're in, whether you're marriage, whether you're single, and the level of sacrifice of which you're called to, or you're a priest. I alligator arm sacrifice all the time. It sounds nice, but I alligator arm it all the time. And so two quick exhortations here for us as we close. First, is count on the grace in your vocation. That is any vocation, but in particular today as we're in St. Paul's fifth chapter, which focuses on marriage, I think the Lord wants to remind all married couples here this morning to remember that your marriage is a sacrament. That means something. That means a lot of things, but one thing that it means is that the Lord put something at your disposal when you were married in the church. Sacraments give grace. What's grace? Grace is God's power, it's his strength. Grace is God's help. The pressure on marriages today is fierce. Because Satan hates marriage. Marriage is under attack. As John Paul II also said, as the, as the family goes, so goes the nation. And you could add on to that, as the marriage goes, so goes the family, so goes the nation. And marriage is under attack. And so marriage needs to be strengthened. And one of the core things I want to do here as pastor at Notre Dame is to focus on strengthening marriages and providing marriage enrichment opportunities. So if, because we tend to be selfish, if, no, again, no matter the vocation that we're in, if sacrifice has dwindled some, and it has a tendency to do that, as we have a tendency to alligator, alligator arm sacrifice, if sacrifice has dwindled from the forefront of our thought in our way of life, in our marriage, if friendship in our marriage has dwindled and gone on the back burner, as a couple today, when you receive the Eucharist or as you leave here this church, rededicate yourself to sacrifice. Of putting that on the forefront to say it may be the bad habits that have developed in our marriage over the last number of years, months, that because of God's grace and his help that's there for me asking, I can change. My marriage can change. And maybe the 
lastly, secondly here, the, the last exhortation here is just to the men here. To the men, take the initiative. Take the initiative in loving the way Paul commands you to love. To take the initiative to show and demonstrate that sacrificial love first to your bride. Unfortunately, many even here have felt the effects of of husbands and just men in general in our society have not taken the initiative here in this type of sacrificial love. Last week we talked about the importance of the body and chastity and the world telling men, this is how to treat women, objectify women, this is what love is, don't commit, keep your options open. I was talking to a, a father a couple of weeks ago and just mentioning his, how his sons and upper teens in their 20s, he goes, Father Mark, my sons aren't even actively pursuing any relationships. Commitment's not even encouraged a lot of times with regards to relationships in, our, in men today. He says, the pull just to play video games. That's not sacrifice of which Paul's talking about here and in, in encouraging men on to. The more we raise up young men to think in that way of not sacrificial love and not commitment, our society will feel the effects and will continue to. It's only in pouring ourselves out to another, regardless of our vocation this morning, married, single, priest, to the extent that we pour ourselves out for another in a self-donating move is to the extent that we find fulfillment. So let us all leave here all the more determined of asking God for his help, his grace, to help me all the more empty the tank for another in sacrifice.